Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome to our episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou is president of All Metals and Forge Group, the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we're always excited to talk to people in the manufacturing space. It's interesting, Lou, as I get into conversations with people, how much I have learned about manufacturing from Manufacturing Talk Radio, being the host. Well, you know, as you know, I've been doing uh, 50 years worth of manufacturing involvement, and I've probably learned more in the last three to five years, uh, you and I doing the Manufacturing Talk Radio and now the Jacket Media Co., which has six podcasts all about manufacturing, and with four other shows under development. So, uh, yeah, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. And, you know, the whole goal has become to be able to pass this information off to people in the manufacturing world. And uh, hopefully what they don't have time to learn, and number two, the fact that uh, mainstream media does not broadcast what we broadcast. So, uh, it's it's been fun. It's been crazy. Uh, I have to take a mental health day every couple of weeks. Uh, but, uh, no, that's that's the price we pay. Well, we're about to learn quite a bit today from Lydia Hall, who's head of communications for Workstream. Uh, they are in the uh, space of finding people and helping with communications within companies. So, Lydia, welcome to the show, and give our listeners kind of an uh, elevator pitch on Workstream. Sure. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, you know, as Tim mentioned, so I'm from Workstream, workstream.us. We provide a hiring platform that is used by manufacturers across the U.S. Um, we make it really easy to basically source candidates. Um, so with one click from your phone, you can post to all the job boards that people are looking for, manufacturing jobs, um, including, you know, over a dozen free job boards. And then as soon as somebody comes in and applies, we start actually putting them through the process of asking, like, do you have the certifications necessary? Do you have the forklift certification? All that before, you know, it ever gets to the hiring manager to be able to say, I want to have this person come in for an interview. And then once we sort of approve, like, yes, this person has everything, they say, I want to meet with this person with one button. And then we take care of actually getting them on their calendar in a time that works. So it just really streamlines the whole hiring process. Um, and, you know, with what's going on in COVID, we've been really keeping our finger on the pulse as to how things have changed over the last few months. And how have things changed over the last few months? I know we're going through this wacky time in the world where we literally shut down the economy and businesses and some manufacturing stayed open, some did not. And now we're trying to turn the lights back on and, and it's really very bizarre. 
Yeah, uh, it's very hard right now for companies that have had to shut down. And, you know, when they shut down, inevitably, some of their staff, you know, leaves and finds something else that they're available to work right away because they need the money. Um, So we're seeing a lot of people leave manufacturing to go into sort of more contractor flexible jobs, such as drivers, you know, delivery drivers become very big. And so um, when, you know, manufacturers want to reopen, they need to figure out how do we um, just get bodies in the door as fast as possible and ensure that they're certified and have all the training materials. Um, So we're seeing, uh, you know, really a focus on building up applicant pools um, and have, even if they're not actively hiring right now, just basically always have jobs that are open so that people can come in and apply and have all their information so that as soon as you have an opening, you actually have a pool of, you know, 50 people who you know are qualified, who you can, you know, click a a button, have each of those 50 people get a text message saying, like, are you interested in, uh, you know, an open job? Here's the description. And and sort of use your own applicant pool to get people in. So we're seeing a lot more of that in the manufacturing space right now. Well, we've had, uh, before all this COVID started, we did have, and I'm sure you're well aware of it, we did have issues with uh, the fact that there were so many people that were retiring, uh, a low birth rate, a skill gap, and so on and so forth. And now, uh, as a result of uh, COVID, we even have more of a situ- more more of a bad situation. And um, I don't hear many people talking about how they're going to solve this particular issue. Do, do you have any thoughts or comments on that? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. We've, you know, we've been polling our users and asking what's become more difficult since um, as a result of the pandemic. And we're seeing that 57% say sourcing for, for workers. So it's it's, it's getting worse. Um, and in many ways, what's going on in the manufacturing industry, uh, you, you can look to what's going on in healthcare, which is, you know, even more difficult to source for healthcare workers and say, is this where we're going? Is this how, um, is this the sort of direction we're going in? And how is the healthcare industry Industry reacting to the fact that there are fewer skilled nurses than ever and more demands than ever. And, you know, the sort of actions they've had to take in order to be able to recruit people for that space. And we're seeing some of that adopted by very innovative manufacturers. Um, so what they're doing is, for instance, like creating more flexibility in the time schedules to be able to attract more people. Um, They're offering more opportunities for advancement and actually sort of making that sort of front and center as far as their offerings. So they're, they're building more training materials. Um, But yeah, I mean, we've, we've had a very difficult time before um, the pandemic and it's getting, it's getting, it's getting worse to, to be able to hire for, for skilled people. Yes. Yes. You and I had a uh, pre-show phone conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I made a particular note on that conversation. So this is not a gotcha, but I, I'd, <laughs> like to, I'd like to be able to talk about this. Uh, and I don't know if I wrote this down correctly, but I did write down 30 months back to normal. Yeah, it's a long time. That was the uh, when we asked people how many months they think it'll be until things return to normal, that was the the average response was 30 months. Um, really? And you know we're we're still trying to wrap our heads around them. What does that mean? 
but that means two and a half years. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, I guess, you know, what does that mean for employers right now, you know? Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And, uh, you know, there's not, you know, we, we might even do ourselves better if we started bringing in, um, and I know this is almost a dirty word, bringing in immigrants from other countries to train them to be able to do the workflow that we need, number one. And number two, and this is an oldie but a goodie of mine, and that has to do with uh, prisoners in the uh, federal uh, uh, penal system that you know, maybe we really should think twice about what we're doing and correct the, uh, that program because there's a lot of people out there that can be doing a lot of good things for us right now. And uh, I, I, I don't know if you have any particular thoughts on this, but uh, I think that this is something that uh, we should be looking to investigate. Probably not under this particular administration, but maybe the next one. Yeah, I mean, when you read that, the prisoners who are fighting the wildfires are only getting paid a dollar an hour. And that's for right. literally putting their lives at risk fighting fires. I'm, I'm sure a lot of employers are starting to think, you know, hey, I'd, I'd pay them a dollar an hour. <laughs> that sounds like a great deal. Right. So how are you going to address this issue on, on the long term? We're, you know, we're, we're still in the COVID. We're 30 months away by uh, some factoids that you have run, a, run across. So that's two and a half years. Uh, how are we going to do this? Who, who's going to do it? You know, is it the government? Are we going to do uh, associations? Are we going to do state programs? How are we going to do this? Yeah, I mean, one thing that, you know, any employer, um, so, you know, any manufacturer could uh, do is look for ways to, to partner with correctional facilities in the area to offer training to people who are right. currently incarcerated. And there are a few benefits there. You know, one is um, you'll have more skilled labor coming out of prisons. Um, so, you know, when they're released. And, and secondly, right. there are tax opportunities. So with a work uh, opportunity tax credit, you can you know, get up to $9,000 in tax credits for every qualifying hire you make. And one of those um, are people who were recently released from prison. So there, you know, there are a few benefits you could get by, by partnering with local correctional facilities and, and trying to build a skilled labor force there. So if I'm a manufacturer and I, I need to hire five people because I had three that retired and I need a couple that are going to train newbies coming in, how, how, um, how do I go about getting those credits? Do I, just, do I just take them or do I have to apply for it with the government or, you know, how, do, how does that work? Sure. So for the credits, um, for the work opportunity tax credit, uh, you can get between $2,000 and $9,600 in tax credits for every new person you hire. And you have to basically screen to see whether or not this person who you hire um, is somebody who uh, historically is a part of a group that has had a more difficult time getting employment. Um, so right. people who... 
you know, our ex-felons is one of them, but people who are also veterans. Um, another is honestly the, the most common are people who um, are currently receiving uh, some sort of either welfare or food stamp benefits or people who have received unemployment benefits in the last six months. So you can just ask these questions as part of the screening process. Um, With Workstream, we have this just built in uh, as part of a WOTC.com integration so that you can actually see sort of a little green flag next to an applicant if you know that this person qualifies for tax credits. And then, you know, there are two ways to, to get the tax credits, either you're using Workstream, um, and so it's just auto-filed for you through WOTC.com, um, or you ask your app, uh, accountant to do the, the filing paperwork for you. Um, going the sort of accountant route is a little bit more difficult because you have to prove you paid the person a certain number of hours. Um, but yeah, and then you have the tax credits, and you can apply them to any of the next 20 years. So even if you're not, um, you know, uh, you know, even if you're not profitable in 2020 because of everything that's going on, you can apply it to future years. Okay, so we're we're getting close to talking now about what um, Workstream does and who they're doing it for and how do you do it. So I'm a manufacturing company and I need help. So, Livia, I'm calling you. I'm on the phone with you. I need help. I, I, I need people. I need the. How, how do you go about doing this for the manufacturer? Yeah, sure. So um, what we have is is hiring specialists. Uh, we're really you know just amazing customer support people on our team. Um, they're all based in the U.S. Um, and they just figure out what are your current processes and you know job job descriptions. If you have them, if you don't, pull templates. Um, and we just sort of tell you like, okay, we're going to put um, these um, these job postings on these job boards, which seem to make the most sense for who you're going after, like these types of people. Um, we integrate with over 25,000 different job boards. So we have like very specific places to source them. Um, and then, uh, you know, when they come in through the funnel, we figure out from you like what certifications they need to have, what to, you know, what are you? What do you need to know about these applicants? So one of the common questions is like, what's your availability? Like, what shifts are you able to do? And we get them to answer all the questions before they ever get to the hiring manager, so that your hiring manager's time is really spent on fewer things that they need to do. So instead of the whole sort of like posting to job boards, checking the qualifications, checking the certifications, setting up the materials, all the stuff that you're, you know, hundreds of hours um, for each role that you need to hire. Instead, what they do is click, I need this job filled um, for these shifts. Okay, you start getting people who are qualified. They see like, okay, here are 20 people who are qualified. Okay, click, click, click. I want to meet with these five people. You know, there's sort of, they get the person gets a text message with like, here's the availability, yada, yada, yada. The hiring manager sees them show up on their schedule. They hop on a Zoom call or an in-person meeting. They like the person. They say, you know, like, click, I want to move this person to the hiring. And then Workstream takes care of sending out the paperwork and making sure that all the tax forms are filled out, like all via text message links that the person fills out on their phone. And that way, really, it's just the person is 
in the door faster. And the hiring manager, all they had to do was really like four clicks and, uh, you know, an interview. So it's just a, a really simple process for hiring managers. Well, I, I just uh, read an article today uh, while I was doing some uh, research about this particular topic, and it seems as though, uh, that particularly the larger companies, and I think the company that they were talking about, and I'm not, uh, I'm not really remembering it clearly, but I think it was Boeing uh, in uh, Washington that is, they they reach out to all of these uh, hiring platforms. And, you know, they would go out to one or two or three of them. I don't want to mention their names. But according to this article, they're now going out to 10 and 12 and 15 different hiring platforms because they're not getting the responses. And I don't know if that's because people are just not available. I don't know if people are, you know, they're collecting unemployment and they're getting more than they were. Uh, working, but I don't think that really is an issue anymore, uh, at least until uh, the, the government winds up putting together another stimulus package. But the, the point being that um, there's less resources in order to find people that either have skills or are capable of learning skills. Uh, would you, yeah, uh, you know, I... I think like when they when they talk about using over a dozen hiring platforms, we're talking about over a dozen different job sites. So they're talking about right. like, okay, they'll go out and they'll go to Indeed and ZipRecruiter and all these different things. And there's so many of them. I mean, that's like, that's, we integrate with 25,000 different hiring platforms. And a lot of them are very like niche, you know, specific for, you know, the manufacturing yeah. jobs or it's like they're local. Um, you have to have a, a presence on so many different job boards um, because, you know, people are looking at a lot of different job boards and, and right. you want to get in front of as many people as possible. But the real sort of thing that, you know, needs to change for, for employers is it's a speed of following up. So it used to be that you could post on a job board and people would come in and you might not get back to them for a week because you have other things that are going on and, and you know, you maybe it's a few days, maybe it's a week, and you'd be able to call a person who applied and that person would pick up their phone or you'd be able to email and they would respond to the email. But that just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, when you're trying to get in front of these applicants, really the only way to do it is through text message, the only inbox they're checking. And you have to be fast, which is why, you know, with Workstream, it's like the second that somebody applies, they get a text message that starts to put them through the sort of next step. And then they have their own sort of escalation of commitment where they feel like I've put this work in to apply for this specific job. So they actually want to see it through. Well, it certainly is a dilemma that we're all facing, and uh, you know we're we're learning as we uh, as we progress. Uh, so this is something that uh, uh, the, the question is, and I'm going to ask you specifically: Are you finding that you are actually making improvements for your clients? Oh, definitely. I mean, especially with the speed of following up, that being the 
the number one thing they say is is the sort of they call it like a, a steroid for hiring because it's <laughs> they just see such like a big like wow <laughs> impact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been interesting to see um, you know how much um, you know the the happy feedback from from the manufacturers uh, who really just felt stuck like they were like this is an impossible role to fill um in fact one of the companies uh, we had uh recently wrote us a letter saying that they were trying to sell their company because they couldn't find employees to do it and when they were trying to sell their company they chatted with another manufacturer and they said like oh i've never had an issue trying to hire and and they started chatting about like well what do you do and they mentioned workstream which is how they heard about us and literally, he was like, well, I'm going to give this work stream a chance before I sell to this other company and was able to, to turn it around. So I don't know. I mean, maybe the person he was selling to like, should, have, should have not said anything, but we were happy. Lydia, I'm just wondering, what have you experienced over the last six months with the shutdown and now the comeback, um, is it get, is your sense that it's getting busier, or is it just kind of uh, you know the sales are luffing in a light breeze here? Uh, in what sense? So the the sales for Workstream or the sales for manufacturers? Well, you know, if manufacturers are looking for people and they're hitting Workstream, has Workstream's volume picked up over the last? Six months, or and is it like pre-COVID levels, or is it above that, or still below that? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's far above uh, pre-COVID levels. Uh, I mean I think like all companies, we took a major hit in Q2, um, and we also you know shifted a lot of our processes for companies during Q2. So like, for instance, we switched to uh, monthly billings of annual so that we could be more flexible, and we you know froze. Uh, we didn't charge people for accounts if they were you know, hire, they were going through a hiring freeze. Um, but in Q3, we had our, our best quarter ever. Um, there was just a huge pickup as companies wanted to reopen and hire. And especially difficult if everyone in your geography is trying to reopen and hire at the same time. So, <laughs> right. we, yeah, we just saw a surge in demand for, for Workstream. And, you know, pretty much all through word of mouth, which was pretty incredible, was, um, you know, the like half of our business came from word of mouth in Q3. Well, that's, that's what I wanted to get a sense of because Lou and I are following with great interest some of the reports that come out on a monthly basis. One in particular is the Institute for Supply Management that comes out with their Purchasing Managers Index Report, which has been showing some very positive numbers now for several months and gives us the indication that manufacturing is in fact picking up. So I just wanted to kind of get your take on it to see whether or not you're seeing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, manufacturing is definitely picking up right now. Um, I think also one of the big things that we've we've seen when we've pulled other industries, so um, industries outside of manufacturing that we serve, um, is we've seen that um, sourcing, um, so sourcing for like the, the goods they need to run their business has become incredibly difficult during COVID. Um, and, and so there's a big push to be able to find domestic manufacturers so that they don't have supply chain issues from, you know, things coming from other countries. So U.S. manufacturers, I think, are seeing um, this 
this rise in demand of, of domestically made uh, products. Understood. Well, that's that's good to hear because, um, you know, we don't ever know on the mainstream news where Lou and I are beginning to hear, is a recession coming? Is Europe going to go into a recession? Will that drag us into a recession? They're starting to use the R word. And, and frequently when the mainstream media does that, they talk us into a recession because now everybody hears it and thinks, oh, they must know something we don't know. Maybe we should cut back. And they talk us into where we don't want to go. So I'm glad to hear that you're very busy because that means hiring is happening. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about a recession for a long time. Um, you know, they say every eight years and how we're, we're overdue um, for one. But, you know, it, I think there's also the chance that it's, it's not going to really happen for a while, at least not the way that um, we sort of think of recessions. Um, I think that uh, we're becoming a lot more sort of domestically focused and, you know, man- manufacturers are going to see a, a, a continued demand for their goods. And that's kind of what we're sensing too. We're, we're seeing that suppliers who supply the manufacturing plants where production happens are uh, having difficulty keeping up with that demand. And we're beginning to see hiring, uh, the employment numbers pressing towards what their bar is 50. It's, I think, at 49.4, somewhere in that range. And when it goes over 50, it's truly expanding, but clearly there's growth. Um, so I just wanted to get kind of some revalidation from you as to what uh, Workstream is is seeing. Uh, in addition to what you've shared with us, Lydia, uh, as we kind of wrap up this segment, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners about Workstream uh, or about some of the things that you have or will be introducing uh, coming up in the near future that you can share with our listeners? Sure. Uh, I mean, one of the things that we're really focused on right now for Workstream is our onboarding um, and training, um, you know, materials that we're making it really easy when you hire somebody to be able, again, just like, okay, hired, one click, the person will automatically get their handbook, the videos, you know, the slides, the quizzes, if you want to make sure that they actually did it. Um, they'll get all of that through to their phone. Um, and so really it's, it's something, if you think about people who are on the go and want to be able to reaccess the training materials when they're on the job, um, it's, you know, a really great way for them to always have it um, where it's, you know, it's literally just on their phones um, and they have links to all of these. So that's what, um, you know, Workstream is expanding uh, and focusing on right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I think like in general, um, I would just encourage anyone who's, who's listening to, to reach out to, to us at workstream.us. Um, we have a live chat. They can chat with somebody on the website um, or text message. And, uh, and, you know, you can also, as you start to use Workstream, we have people who are live chat available 24-7 who will answer all our questions and do everything for you. So um, check us out. Uh, one other thing I have to ask you about, because this was, oh gosh, it's been in use for 30 years, but in the last six months, big time, and that's the virtual interviews, you know, whether you're on Zoom or FaceTime or what, how are those working out? 
Yeah, shockingly well. So we weren't quite sure how people would adopt the Zoom interviews. So we, we recently polled, we asked um, what are people's thoughts on uh, hiring via video interviews and you know, check all the apply. Um, and then also just uh, sort of a fill in for additional thoughts. Um, and, you know, we, we were surprised that um, we asked if one of the, as one of the options, hiring managers struggle with the technology, and only 6.25% said that this was the case. So it's really great that it means 93.75% of hiring managers were able to you know easily adopt the virtual interviews. Um, and you know the other thing that we're seeing with the response is is that uh, more people show up to the video interviews. You know, there were there was a lot of ghosting that was happening for in-person, but if they did the first one as a, a Zoom interview, that was a lot easier. Um, and, you know, we're seeing the majority of people also said that it makes it easier to hire. So there's that. Um, and yeah, it's it's just been surprisingly easier to do than, um, than in-person and even better than, than phone interviews right now. Well, Lydia, you know your numbers. I mean, you're out to two digits beyond the decimal point on statistics. I know. So. I have them pulled up in front of me, so it's, I'm, I'm guilty. I love it. I'm married to a data scientist, so I'm all about data. <laughs> <laughs> well, so are manufacturers, and that's and that's what Industry 4.0 is all about, is being able to get something useful out of the data. Uh, just a, a quick story. Uh, many, many years ago, and you probably are, are part of the Frequent Flyer program, a programmer, uh, I believe it was an American Airlines, came to management and said, you know, we know everybody who flies, we know when they fly. We knew what, know what flights they are taking. Maybe we should come up with a f- frequent flyer program. And executive management and American Airlines thought it was a positively ridiculous idea. <laughs> well, you can see where, where that is today. Data is where it's at and what it's all about. So thank you for sharing very precise numbers with us. We would encourage our listeners to go to workstream.us because somebody who knows those numbers that precisely knows what they're doing. Thanks for being with us, Lydia. Thanks for having me. It was great chatting with you guys. Yeah, thank you, Lydia. It was a real joy. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. And we've been speaking with Lydia Hall, who's head of communications for Workstream. Again, they can be found at workstream.us is their website. You can also come to nfgtalkradio.com to listen to this very show, and you'll find that in our uh, directory in the very first page you hit. We'll list the show when it gets posted. You can also go over to jacketmediaco.com, where all of our podcasts are listed. We have six of them, and we have more coming up than we know what we're doing with. Uh, it's, it's an expanding universe of shows. Uh, manufacturing Talk Radio is there. Uh, the WAM podcast about women in manufacturing. Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman, who talks about manufacturing and the economy. Um, where's Willie with William Miller, who's traveling to plants and talking to us from the factory floor. Hazard Girls, which speaks on unusual roles of women in industry. And one of my favorites is they talk about welders. There used to be a Rosie the Riveter in the uh, World War II stage. I happen to favor Wendy the Welder today. I think that's very cool. And full-time with Amy Nicholas talks about that delicate work-life balance. 
And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.